I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. My guest today is my crazy friend, Marcelo Garcia. Marcelo is a Brazilian, originally from Rio de Janeiro, who's lived a very long time in Europe, uh, traveled to more than 125 countries and speaks nine languages, I think, in different levels of uh, fluency. He is the creator of the wisdomaccelerator.com and Basically, that's a concept for high potential global teenagers to uh, connect um, with more than just their brains and intelligence, but also to their spirituality and the access to wisdom. Uh, this is, uh, you know, an organization that uh, had its flagship event uh, taking place in uh, Davos every year during the World Economic Forum. He is also a smart cities expert with the United Nations Economic Commission for uh, Europe and the IESE. He is a member of explorers.org, which is a sort of a, you know, an organization for the famous firsts, you know, things like uh, the first to the North Pole or the South Pole or the first to the summit of Mount Everest and so on and so forth. I'm uh, not here, however, hosting Marcelo to talk about any of this. I'm hosting him because as we got in touch recently, I discovered that while we were all busy uh, you know, uh, wondering and complaining about COVID-19 and the lockdown, Marcelo once again pushed himself to the levels, to the extreme levels of human endurance, uh, fasted a hundred days with zero food, and uh, at the same time ran several marathons and did several uh, long hikes and climbed a few mountains, which really, really uh, reminds us that sometimes Uh, The only limit to how far we can go, sometimes the only thing uh, that keeps us back in life is where our mind really is. Upside down. (laughs) I am upside down. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I will tell you. That's a great start of the podcast. (laughs) I could definitely try to do that again with more time. But basically, I created a rig in the middle of this camp site that uh-huh. is the highest in Europe. It's getting quite dark, so I had to bring my tent lamp here. And uh, the rig is made of uh, an ice pick, an ice axe uh, okay. for climbing, uh-huh. and uh, two different uh, poles, walking poles, that I'm using to climb uh, Mont Blanc. <laughs> so this is literally the infrastructure that I have at the moment. Uh, to have this, but I'm very happy to join the podcast, and I hope you guys can see <laughs> that I'm here and um, ready for any questions you may have. No, we don't have questions. Where are you, man? Where? What happened? Last time I met you was two and a half, three months ago on the yeah. way on the way thing, and then exactly. and then you started to do all of that superhuman that you're doing. What, what's going on? Well, basically, what happens is that. Um, as you're aware, I have this project of uh, going from borderline obese, so 100 kilos in my case, kind of depends on how you define uh, that 
physiological state, uh, BMI above 30 is one of the ways that uh, you uh, could categorize that. And uh, I was like, you no, know, uh, 30.01 uh, for a very short <laughs> amount of time. That's like all the ways. triggered. <laughs> Yeah, so the, this is a trigger you need to take action, right? Um, um, the mm-hmm. human mind is uh, not only very linear, so we uh, struggle to identify uh, oh, exponential opportunities and this uh, world of abundance that is going to be uh, a part of a reality very soon. But um, it's much easier for us to do things when it's zero or one, and fasting is a very good example of that. Right, so I... Um, started evolving this concept of personal uh, transformation. And um, it started small, as it should, right? Just uh, trying a little bit. My definition of small was um, to spend a whole week without eating anything just to see what happens. Mm. I can't quite recall what uh, drove me to that point. I hadn't done any of the normal uh, fasts that I have out there, intermittent and everything else. I was like, no, I, I know it's possible to eat nothing for a week and do fine. So let me give it a go. And this is back in 2017. So very binary, no food at all. I actually had coffee, tap water, and uh, no salt, no vitamins, no minerals. Uh, the coffee, after three or four days, it just couldn't bear it anymore because uh, your palate becomes so sensitive that it's extremely difficult for you to take the taste and you can't even have any sugar. So you start diluting it until it, it, it becomes like this cafe americano is kind of what's the point, right? It's a way to dilute it to have any taste. Um, and that was it, kind of parked the experience. And um, in 2019, I kind of went back to that level of weight in which I was like, okay, I'm turning 50 uh, next year. I really have to do something about this. And uh, I, I think that I sent you the joke that uh, started the whole thing, which was um, pretty much kind of New Year's Eve. Okay, oh, 2019 is now here with us. Let me just post something funny on Facebook for my friends to start the year with a laugh. And um, Aquaman had just been released, and those posters were amazing. <laughs> yes. It's like in this kind of covertness, uh, golden outfit uh, with you know, the wet hair and the trident and everything else. And I'm literally a borderline obese guy. Who's been quite fit way back in the days? And I did rock climbing for almost a decade. And um, I did it at the level that in France is ranked as, no, I, I was kind of seven out of a maximum of nine. And nine is kind of mutant from outer space. The <laughs> upside down thing that you go like, how? You don't, you don't get that physical. here on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so nine... Because in their books written about grade nine. So it's mm. uh, Alex Humboldt doing uh, El Capitan Solo. Um, I'm not even sure if that would qualify uh, as a nine from the perspective of the technical difficulty, but for sure, you know, doing it solo and because it's so long, I, I guess that would definitely be one of the hardest climbs ever. And I used to do seven, which is okay, right? No, nope. uh, But that body was kind of hidden deep inside me. And... Um, I'll get back to your questions like, what am I doing in the highest campsite in Europe at 2,000 meters uh, when the last time that we were discussing uh, was about uh, teenager wisdom. But the, um, the whole process was really interesting because it really started with that joke. And um, the joke is almost like the little grain of sand that becomes a pearl uh, in an oyster, right? And this one came quite naturally. So it's not like, no, an oyster farm. It's just, okay, there's this lucky oyster that uh, got a grain of sand and all of a sudden... Uh, it starts growing slowly and it grew into me that 
it is a joke, right? So when I posted the picture of Aquaman there, and uh, the joke was, my New Year's resolution is to look just like Aquaman. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out in the looks department, at least I know that I can smell like him by slathering <laughs> fish sauce all around my body. Yeah. Like, okay, quick and easy joke. But wouldn't that be really, really funny if eventually I managed to look like Aquaman starting off from obesity? And, you know, lots of people started gaining weight during the pandemic. In my case, it's exactly the opposite. Yeah. So I started this... Uh, whole cycle that became the equivalent of 100 days of uh, zero calories fasting. And I have to break it down uh, because uh, during this whole year, and it happened within a period of 12 months, I uh, ate nothing. So only vitamins and electrolytes and uh, drank mineral water um, for 90 days. Uh, But the last fast that I... 90? 90? Over a year. So throughout the year, you, you spent 90 days with zero calories any day, in any of exactly, those. Exactly, yeah. So what, I had, what was uh, the longest of all of them, uh, Marcelo? The longest so how, what, is 50, 50 days. You fasted 50 days in a row. Uh, yes. So I basically started with 21 days because I knew from the experience in 2017 that um, it was indeed possible and not so miserable to spend seven days without any food. On day seven, uh, during this very first fast, I was like, oh, a bit of a shame that I have to stop now because I'm feeling great. But I was afraid of losing muscle. I was like, okay, I don't know enough about this. And um, it was a good first attempt. And let's see what comes out of it. And for two years, nothing happened. I just got busy. And um, when (laughs) I decided to do something about it in a very conscious manner, Really, keeping in mind the Aquaman joke from six months before or eight months before, uh, as it was in August, I um, started studying, going for deep dives and trying to understand how far can I go and still be safe. So the stuff that I had read about, you know, after seven days, you could be losing some muscle. I was like, oh, yeah, no, not worth risking. I didn't have much supervision other than a good friend of mine from high school who was a very good doctor back in Brazil and I grew up in Rio, as you know. So this second fast is like, I'll do at least seven days because I know that's feasible, I'll change a couple of variables or have no coffee and just you no know, stay with mineral water. And uh, my doctor friend said, have at least some salt, like a teaspoon uh, every morning would help you with uh, uh, your balance and uh, osmosis. Like, okay, I, I can cope with having salt because I'm sticking to zero calories. And a couple of other things, like you have tea and you can have your soda stream or equivalent when I'm not sponsored by SodaStream, so no shouldn't really be using the brand name. So you can make it more interesting. Like you have your, your fizzy tea, you put it in the fridge, and all of a sudden it's refreshing and so on, especially because of the summer. Great. So you, you can play around the theme of zero calories and um, still make it interesting and start doing lots of exercise. But then the first week is over. I'm like, I'm okay to try a second week. So what is my barrier here? Like, um, what is my level of scientific understanding? that would be a threshold that makes me uncomfortable to cross over. And that was um, 26 days, which is when people start dying of fasting. If you do have a condition, Mm. that obviously can be assessed. Um, There are cases of people who died after 26 days, but they probably had some pretty nasty 
uh, disease that's uh, accelerated. What's the world record on this? What's the longest fast? Uh, the world record, I believe, is 382 days. Oh, but my that was, God. Yeah, that was a morbidly obese uh, Scotsman. You can check that on um, Wikipedia. And uh, I, I don't want to come up with figures here, but he was probably something like 400 pounds, and then he lost uh, massive amounts, went back to normal size. And curiously, he actually managed to keep a normal weight level, uh, you know, in terms of BMI, the body mass index, for the rest of his life. So he was uh, for almost, actually for more than a year, fasting just uh, i believe that his fast is not that strict uh, as much as i did so he had bone broth you know, for the mineral salts <clears throat> and everything else but he was going to the hospital and was being followed and back then this is i believe in the 50s or 60s the doctors are like well this guy doesn't want to eat uh, he comes here uh, we want to make sure that he doesn't uh, die for the wrong reasons and um, they let him do it now, mm. if you went to a hospital today, just imagine with all the insurance consequences, with all the <laughs> yeah. uh, no liability issues, if you just say, no, get out of here. Right? This is why uh, many of those studies are not being done anymore, because we, we did have starvation studies um, before, during, and after the war. What happens if you're under siege, and how can you make sure that the population would survive this kind of uh, extremely uh, difficult uh, situations? But the ethics board of any university, any research institute would never approve a group of people going beyond a certain number of days without any calories. There are a couple of studies, not many, but the whole point is that I don't need to ask for anyone's authorization. I just need to it is, fall it's, within... It's risky, Marcelo. I mean, we, you know... Um, is it? As in, all my blood markers are absolutely phenomenal. Like, my HD was double... I'm sorry? How often did you get tested? Um, I did get tested after the 21-day fast very, very thoroughly. I've seen four or five pages of blood exams because I went to a French doctor and they're kind of hypochondriac, so they're not mm. exactly very easygoing when it comes to that. So he started calling me a complete idiot. Why did you do this? And I'm saying, well, mm. because that's what I learned and this is what I decided to do uh, to understand how far I could go. And uh, you end up in a kind of situation where he was concerned about kidney failure and liver issues and thyroid and everything else. So that's why I had literally dozens of exams. They're all fine after mm -hmm. 21 days uh, without any food. So when it kind of got to the point where this was sort of the uh, first kind of, uh, let's say, the, the beginning of the 100 days. I had no idea I was going to be fasting for 100 days. In fact, I fasted with zero calories for 90 days and then for a whole month to prepare to, for this really long 50 days fast. I was under a caloric restriction, so I was only eating 800 calories a day for 30 days. So I'm kind of you know, assuming that this is the equivalent of another 10 days mm. of uh, zero calories fast. No, but not really. Uh, so it's mm. stretching a little bit. Mm. Now, the question that you asked, like, what am I doing here in the middle of nowhere? Uh, I'm actually training in altitude because after the whole effort of uh, this fast, I um, lost the uh, equivalent of 40% of my body mass. And it, it's hard wow. to fathom, like, w what does it mean you lost almost 40% of your body? That is equivalent of having uh, your feet, legs, and pelvis chopped off because your oh trunk and above is 60% of your body. So just for a, a less gruesome example, mm -hmm. uh, is the equivalent of losing three bowling balls that you're carrying around with you all the time. 
So the project evolved into not only the whole Aquaman half joke that no, I'm still eventually training for. So it'd be great if I could you know, mm-hmm. end up looking like Aquaman. Not that the looks of the most important element is just the trigger, right? This is a grain of salt that got the pearl. But um, when it got to the point in which I reached 100 days of the equivalent of zero calories within a year. It's almost a third of the year eating nothing. And I lost 40% of my body mass. And then I regained a significant amount, right? So uh, right now, after one week of very careful refeeding, because 50 days is no joke, because people do start dying from 60 days, even if they're healthy and they have no underlying conditions. So I wanted to stop at 50 just to be well before that kind Mm -hmm. of danger zone. And um, also because the project ended up being, can a person go from borderline obese to borderline underweight? So from BMI, the body mass index 30, which is the beginning of obesity, to the BMI of 18.5, which is when it starts looking underweight. I'm not yeah. looking to start officially being that, That's when you get the six pack, don't you? Uh, no, you don't. That's really interesting. Oh man, that is so disappointing. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I did not get a six pack. No, this is a different. No, pack. come on, go back to fasting. Go do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Aquaman, isn't it? <laughs> so literally, the situation is, I um, was lucky somehow that 50 days, and I'm turning 50, so it was a commemoration. Right? So it's like oh, I'm wow, fasting. Yeah for 50 days, because I'm turning 50, it, it, it's not spiritual, it's not religious, it's just symbolic. It's just something that I'll remember forever. And I'm, I'm very keen on doing memorable things. Things mm-hmm. that go like, oh, wow, no, that was tough. It wasn't that great for so many reasons. And um, it so turned out that fasting for 50 days uh, from the stage I was, weight, etc., got me precisely to the BMI of 18.5. So I went mm-hmm. from obese to borderline underweight. obese, borderline underweight yeah. in exactly one year. Now, finally answering your question, what I'm doing now is trying to prove, because on weeks six and seven, so I fasted for seven weeks and a day, like Buddha fasted for 49 days. So it's also kind of a personal joke saying, you know, <laughs> if I ever meet Buddha, I'll tell him, come on, guy. No, you know, come on, buddy. Get <laughs> I better beat next time. <laughs> I beat you. You, you, like, you I, beat I, Gandhi. I think the longest Gandhi did was 24 or something like that. Um, he did many. Uh, uh-huh. So the merit in Gandhi's uh, fast, uh, I think the longest is 21 days, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, he did so many. I, I'm about two thirds of a Gandhi in terms of the total number of fasts I've done, but I'm only 50. So I guess I could eventually uh, break Come on, <laughs> that's too competitive. Not that it's something that I'm necessarily <laughs> be looking for, but I think that it would be possible. And uh, other than the personal joke of saying, oh, Buddha, you know, do better next time. Uh, and I, I actually... <laughs> don't, don't say that. <laughs> I, 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 um, I broke this fast the same way he did uh, on his path to nirvana. So I had uh, this typical Indian rice cake called idlis with honey. And that's, that's what so nice. the two merchants from Afghanistan brought mm-hmm. to him when he said he was ready to leave the life of uh, ascetism and find the middle path. And mm-hmm. so um, uh, lots of that's symbols so cool. all around. Yeah, that's so wonderful. Like, oh, yeah. When I, um, I broke the fast uh, last year for 21 days, I was in Jerusalem uh, had walked around, uh, as in literally, uh, during this first very long fast, you know, I don't count seven days as very long. I think that most healthy people should fast for seven days, four times a year. And, and this is not me saying, it's like very smart people 
with the, no medical degrees, and they're the ones doing that as a personal protocol. And I'm glad to share the links with you and um, your viewers, if that may be of interest. So uh, at that point in time, when I did the 21 days fast, I wanted to make it special. So I was in uh, uh, Israel for a conference in Tel Aviv. I spent two days walking, like 20 kilometers a day in Jerusalem. During that fast, uh, because it was so long, I wanted to prove that uh, you can still do very exhausting activities without having major consequences. So I did a marathon on day 14. So I hadn't eaten anything for two weeks. And I covered 48 kilometers, which is technically an ultra marathon because it's more than the 42.2. But the whole point is you can still have a normal life while you're deep into a fasted state, which is definitely wow. the case after two weeks, right? So I broke that fast in Jerusalem in front of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Hmm. While they're closing the gates, so there's a ceremony with all the tourists taking pictures. I'm sitting on the stump of this Roman column right in front of it. And I broke the fast that fast with the three items that humans have been eating for 10,000 years. Uh, unleavened bread, uh, olive oil, and honey. So mm-hmm. the bread with the, the matzo bread with a little olive oil. I had then for desserts, matzo bread with some honey. And then all of a sudden that phase of my life is in, wow, I, I can you know, do so much more than what I thought that I could uh, before. Mm-hmm. It, uh, um, it was definitely very memorable. And uh, it led me to write a very extensive post in Facebook, which I believe I shared with you already, explaining why am I doing this? And uh, where are my information sources? This Scottish guy who spent more than a year eating basically nothing uh, and lost huge amounts of weight, but physiologically, he just carried on uh, having a normal life. And I had a couple of other fasts. I was experimenting. And um, for instance, uh, another two-week fast um, earlier this year, I was doing a half marathon at the end of the first week and another half marathon at the end of the second week, just sort of figuring out what is the perfect balance in terms of uh, getting into a fasted state. So the first state tends to be kind of okay, especially if you're very busy or you're just doing something you really enjoy, like binging in your series or, or focusing on a hobby. The second day, it's kind of tricky because you're switching off your sugar burning engine Mm. and turning on your fat burning engine. So the shift into ketosis is quite unpleasant, but less and less so uh, if your body is fat adapted. If uh, your body goes like, okay, I run out of sugar, there's plenty of fat, so that's fine. No, I can just go for that anytime I want. So what do you you feel during that stage? Headaches? Do you feel exhausted? What what happens? Now I don't feel much at all. Maybe a bit... Wow grumpy of sorts but mm. uh, I uh, I learned a couple of tricks to the trades of sorts so say I tend to drink a lot of water on the first mm. day tend to you know get very busy uh, light exercise you, know, you don't want to push too hard and then eventually you know, you're into ketosis right and you know, for people to understand it sounds very surprising that someone can just stop eating uh, for 50 days and um, this Sunday I'm climbing Mont Blanc like this is <laughs> it's like you're a nutcase in my I, I love you man but that's <laughs> it's unbelievable I mean, you 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 finished your 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 fast when uh, 20 um, days ago 15 I, days ago i finished it uh, three and a half weeks ago so the whole point was um i, I look really really different uh, at the end of the fast when my bmi was borderline underweight so technically yeah. it was still normal 
Mm-hmm. I was deeply dehydrated. My neighbors were really freaking out. They saying, this guy is going to drop dead in a time. But what happens is that you rebound, you regain uh, a lot of this weight after you start refeeding. And that's what happens. So the refeeding is even, even if the calorie intake that you take is not that ma- major. I mean, you didn't go back to eating 4,000 calories a day, did you? Mm, yes or no. So in the first week, it's a very, very bad idea to try to do that. Oh, yeah. So you want to avoid sugars because spiking your insulin could cause major issues in terms of the uh, uh, osmotic balance in the cells. And you kind of start to know a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat, and then you evolve into your body going like, okay, we're running on sugar again. And I think it's important to define this metaphor. What you're doing when you're getting into fastest state is uh, literally using this engine that I believe the vast majority of people in the world have never used. And how many people do you personally know that spent more than 24 hours without ingesting any calories? And lastly, in a situation of deep poverty uh, or they uh, no, are explorers in the wild. I'm using my uh, explorers club <laughs> cap here. Uh, yeah. This is an homage uh, to the club. And I'm a member. And uh, you have situations where you're exploring in the wild, you get stuck and no, you don't have any food for 24 hours. And that's it. The body needs to figure out what to do with that. But the vast majority of people in the vast majority of societies, they are always eating. So your body doesn't even know that it has a fat burning engine. Yeah. And the metaphor that I use that is really powerful for me, at least, and I think that is you know, facilitates understanding uh, for most people, is that when you're running on sugar, it's like a battery, right? You have this electric car and uh, you keep on charging the battery with sugars. And the sugars uh, that you're eating, they get used pretty much straight away. Some will get stored uh, in the liver as glycogen. Some will get stored uh, in the cells. But that sugar that you have stored in a body lasts for about a day and a half. And then next to this battery, you have this huge hydrogen tank. And I, uh, I like you could say battery, you could say like it, it's a, a, a gasoline engine, whatever it is. But the hydrogen tank is the fat you have in your body. And to lesser extent, of course, if you're going to very, very deep fast, you will consume some muscle. Um, oh, I, that happened to me in weeks six and seven. I lost uh, a, a lot of strength. But then again, you, know, you have to go into 35 days. Uh, mm. to start uh, Is that having... true? So you don't, you don't lose muscles earlier than that? Y- you do. Uh, and there are studies, I am glad to share um, mm. some charts, but it's relatively minor. When I did fast for three weeks, two weeks, I could lift the same kind of weights. Like, you know, bicep curls, which tend to be a very good benchmark, no difference whatsoever. This time, uh, after, no, day 35, you could really tell. Right? I was measuring... Um, kind of the major points in the body, um, which you know, tend to be biceps, waist, hips, and the middle of the thighs. And you could see that there was a massive reduction happening for sure in waist, hips, mm. and a little bit in the legs because that's where I have a lot of fat. But when I started losing biceps, uh, go like, okay, this is muscle. Right? So mm. um, no denying that if you're going to very, very deep fast, you're going to be losing some muscle. The good news is you gain it back really fast. Right. So mm. the whole point of fasting for 100 days within a year and getting to a stage where my neighbors were very concerned about me being alive uh, mm. for um, much longer, uh, which is not true. Right? You know, you're very deeply dehydrated, but 
it's not a bad thing from the perspective that your body is just creating a new homeostasis, like an equilibrium state. When you have the sugar being stored in your liver and in the rest of your body, it gets stored with three molecules of water. Mm. You shouldn't have any sugar. The water is also gone. So you look very, very skinny because of dehydration. And as soon as you start eating again and you have sugar in your uh, stores, liver and the rest of the body, you gain you know, three times the amount of that molecule in water. So you kind of go back to looking normal very, very fast. Mm. So you have to be very careful when you're leaving a very deep fasted state to say anything beyond a week. You know, even a week, you have to be very careful on how you break the fast. And um, be super careful in terms of what you eat, um, avoiding sugars and definitely having a plan and for sure a doctor following you with all of this. And on week two, and that's again to your point, like going back to eating 4,000 calories, I was eating between four and 5,000 calories because I mm -hmm. wanted to get back to the midpoint of what most doctors recommend as the perfect weight for my height. So it's mm -hmm. eating huge amounts of very healthy food, getting mm. to clock like 5,000 calories uh, on some days. But after one week, I reached that point. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going back to intermittent fasting. I do 16-8 most of the time. I call uh, my fast 7-11 because I, I stop eating at 7 mm -hmm. and only start eating again at 11. I find mm -hmm. it very convenient because it's kind of having a brunch and then you have an early dinner mm -hmm. instead of skipping breakfast and you know, having a yeah. Uh, super early genesis for me is the most convenient and uh, it kind of got to the point in which okay mission accomplished right of losing close to 40 percent of the body mass and then going back to what's considered as an average an aggregation of all the opinions to be mm -hmm. precisely what my weight is supposed to be for my height and having uh, body fat levels that are in the athletic range as in between 11 and 13 percent no above 13 percent uh, you in a very healthy range, but is no longer athletic. And to get the famous six-pack, uh, you kind of need to go below 10, right? So when it was, uh, I, I got to 8%, and you still couldn't see it that much. So the, the guys with the six-packs, they, they're really working hard, right? So they uh, have a very specific plan. They, uh, yeah, I know. I, I, know. I, I, I have one. I hide it from everyone. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you it takes a lot of hard work. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's somewhere in there. You just, no. Yeah, I, I, hide it, I hide it with a bit of fat on top of it, really. It's just, you know, because I don't want to make anyone feel yeah, bad it, about it, themselves. Yeah. It's to protect against impact, right? No, I, uh, <laughs> exactly. It's like packaging. Yeah. I, um, um, I am not very much affected by cold, mm -hmm. uh, or I am more now. Uh, mm -hmm. I used to joke with people that um, they're like, no, how can you possibly not be cold? You're wearing a t-shirt, it's close to zero degrees. And go like, well, I use a technique called blubber. I just like <laughs> whales. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and um, I, I did a full DNA exam that kind of scans the whole thing, and then they have lots of incredible reports. And one of the things that uh, my DNA fitness report indicated is that I have the genetics of people who tend to have fat very well spread out around the body. So That's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. It is a great thing to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm telling people that I lost that much weight, they go like, how? You didn't have much to start with. It was everywhere. Yeah. As in, I had the typical 
that bod of no, clearly not in tip-top shape, but still doing all the different things. I was carrying three additional bowling balls around with me all the time. Okay. Yeah. And I, I lost three of those and then I found one again. So no, I, right now I'm in the equivalent of two bowling balls below like what that. it was at that point in time. But people are like, no, come on, no, don't do that. You know, my closest friends, like you really don't have to do this. But I'm saying metabolically, I have to. As in, I'm very, very far from the point that would get me on the path to longevity, but not only with the long lifespan, but with a long health span. And health span is way more important than lifespan. And you really want to be a vegetable for the last 20 years of your life and say, hey, I got to work so that, that That truly, I, I have to admit, is something that is worthy of a very, very long conversation. Because I, I know for certain, because of autophagy and because of the way our bodies respond to fasting, that it is a very, very healthy practice. A practice, like you rightly said, that we actually don't include in our life at all because our life of abundance now has, you know, warehouses of butters and aisles and aisles of wine and, you know, every kind yeah. of cheese in the supermarket. We've forgotten what it's like to live like a typical human. And human, you know, hunter-gatherer uh, did not have a fridge to keep uh, food in all the time. So, so we're not built to, to have a healthy life without interruption of supply, if you want, every now and then. And, and definitely, I, you know, at, when you approach 49, 50, it's a, it's a, it's a call to action. I don't, I don't think this is necessarily the right time, only the right time to do it. I think you should do it all your life. In my background, the Islamic background, where we fast a month a year, uh, mm. It's actually quite, it's probably if, you know, most Muslims just turn it into a mega party and, you know, eat sweets and everything. But when I do it correctly, it's an incredibly healthy month. You just yeah. feel lighter, more energetic, more strong in every possible way. And, and I think that's a practice that people are forgetting, really. Yeah, and I agree with all that. Traditionally, if you have this uh, paleolithic mindset, right, saying, okay, 10 to 100,000 years ago with hominids, so the beginning of Homo sapiens. You survive on collecting eggs, um, picking some uh, berries, uh, hunting small animals, finding a carcass that is not too rotten. At some point in time, you don't have any of these available. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you look into the, the sun people from the Kalahari Desert in Botswana, they sometimes, still today, not that they go hunting that often these days, they spend seven to eight days without any food. And then they eventually find something and they bring that back to the tribe. Mm. So even today, the last or one of the last hunter-gatherers in the world, they will go fasting for seven days because this is how the game is played. And you know what happens? The body will just make sure that you're sharp as a tack. Mm. You have to find food. Otherwise, you seize to have the ability to reproduce and spread your genes, which is, you know, when people ask what is the meaning of life, I say, making more life. That's mm -hmm. my personal answer. And that's how our bodies are built, right? So if all of a sudden um, you have to find food to survive, you will be in a situation where the body is doing everything it can to help you have the ability to find that food that it needs to survive. So mm -hmm. when people say you're going to be feeling weak, it's like, let me do a marathon just to prove the point that, no, I am not feeling weak. I can do something that most people cannot. What do you describe this, Marcelo? Is, are, we, are we oblivious to our true capabilities, to the, 
to the true superpower of humans? Have we forgotten what it's like to actually be able to hunt and run around and without food? I mean, 50 days is is surprising to me, right? 50 days is a long time. I mean, it it combines... I could have gone for another two weeks. I did the calculations. I I would get into danger zone levels after another 12 to 15 days of fasting after day 50. Tell me this. Is it, is this, you don't, you make it seem like this is not a physical challenge at all, that your body is equipped to do this. It gets used to it. It actually gets energy. You can run a marathon after a week. Is it, is it a challenge of will? I mean, what does it take for me to put this microphone down after our conversation and just start fasting? I um, completely agree that we forgot what it means to be truly human, right? Life is too easy and people mm-hmm. just find problems because you know, you can always find something to complain about. Mm-hmm. But my background, if any, is, is a kind of an admirer of stoicism. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm sleeping at 2,000 meters in a rented tent, um, doing a very grueling 14 hours um, kind of quick march uh, tomorrow, which is what the Swiss army uses for the, uh, the glacier patrol because I'm preparing to climb Mont Blanc, right? So I, I'm giving myself certain challenges that you go like, why are you doing this? The difference is I am very curious. I want to know what happens. I don't want people to tell me. And if I have the ability to learn and benefit from having right now what most doctors consider to be the perfect way for my height, and it took me a year to get here, right? So th- this is really not trivial. You know, you need to have this consistency. And this has been a very productive pandemic. Without COVID, it would have been impossible for me to do this because I travel 90, 95% of the time. But you know, by leveraging those opportunities, and COVID is surely you know, potentially what you could call an opportunity, depending on how you, know, you look at it. And having that level of curiosity of, I really want to know, but I really want to share. I dare mm. some elements of being able to tell people and writing this extremely long Facebook post a year ago. Uh, I had friends who started doing fasting and they were thanking me profusely. Um, but the funny things that I said, until the second to third day, I really, really hated you. And on day <laughs> three, I started I loving you for you know, yeah. giving me this kind of challenge and showing me that it's not a hard. The funny thing is that when you're doing that in certain circles, right? um, this friend who uh, mentioned this, like uh, I, I hated you before I loved you for sharing this information with me. Uh, he's the founder of a community and I'm a member. So he invited me to give a masterclass on the fasting based on the 21 day uh, experience. And um, oh, he became a better person for that because now he knows something he didn't know before about himself. No one can tell him how his body is going to react to hmm. you know, eating for you know, four or five, six days. And um, others, they're getting close to morbidly obese. I, mean, I don't want to mention their names, but the CEO of a few companies is doing an IPO soon. His BMI is 38, which is like off the charts. And he used to be oh, a very fit guy. You know, he did his service in his country. And uh, no. He kind of got off track. And I'm basically saying, guys, we all sort of peers, at least at this point in time, it's in multiple peer groups. And basically saying, I did that. Anyone who wants to know more, just let me know. And they go like, if my peer can do that, I can do that. And this is the one thing that links to the wisdom accelerator for youth, you know, making mm-hmm. teenagers uh, wiser 
school of thought or whatever you want to call that is an association but um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where we're going with this it, it is basically um, the comparison of role models and role models today they're losing value in the sense of how useful they are to making yeah. people happy in the long term yeah. so you have the reality tv star instead of having hmm. hercules the hero with the 12 yeah. labors right you go like uh this is really no yeah that's one of the biggest challenges in our world today is who do we set as our role model and and you know if 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 your if your role model is behaving in laughable ways you our you know younger generations are still and, and older generations alike everyone is like following them as if they are true profits it's really yeah. shocking when you think about it and, and then the um, the potentially contentious point i like to make is that role models are far less relevant than we think peer models are much more important so if you're mm. a 15 year old teenager and someone says bill gates is a multi-billionaire because he started coding software when he was your age you go like yeah but dude is yeah. several you know, five times older than me um, mm. getting close to that if you have another 15-year-old or 18-year-old or 25-year-old was doing extremely well in an area that is of interest to you as a 15-year-old, this is so much more powerful. So Wisdom Accelerator is about creating a community of peer models, like mm. having amazing teenagers who are doing really great things with their lives. And then having the other teenagers going like, if she can, I can, right? And mm. what I'm trying to do with the fasting and Again, no, finally answering your question. Uh, after fasting for 100 days, the, the next challenge became, what are the craziest possible things I can do as quickly <laughs> as possible after finishing a 50-day fast to prove, or at least to make it harder for the naysayers to say that fasting is bad for you, fasting will make uh, you do this, you're going to be losing muscle, and uh, etc. Now, I did lose a lot of muscle. I can send you a picture that, where I look... You know, really bad even though technically it was you, you look great today by the way i mean oh. I, I, I you did send me a picture uh or shelly sent me a picture after you after you i don't know i saw i saw you somehow after after the fast and you were really thin right but now now yeah. now you look great like you really and your skin looks healthy you're sitting out in the cold and you're not that cold it's really interesting yeah, it's, it's been three and a half weeks. And mm-hmm. my point uh, was to, okay, rewind a little bit. As I had done a marathon after two weeks without any food, and then a half marathon after a week, another half marathon, going faster and faster, just passing around. This you, time, you did how many marathons when you fasted this year? Uh, last year, just one. This time, in fact, on day 48 of the fast, I've attempted to do an ultramarathon distance, which is 50 kilometers. That's the shortest distance that is considered to be an ultramarathon. You have Mm. 100 kilometers, you have 50 miles, you have 100 miles, but 50 kilometers, basically an ultramarathon is any distance that is beyond 42.2 kilometers. And I wanted to figure out where is my limit. And because I had lost so much muscle, in fact, the the kind of muscle that connects your uh, ligaments, really skeletal Mm. muscle. Mm -hmm. And... um, also because I hadn't eaten anything for 48 days, I, uh, I tried to go around one of the biggest lakes in Switzerland, which is almost exactly 50 kilometers. And it didn't have a proper trail. So at some point in time, oh, that's it got dark. Yeah. 
the rose and arrow, and I'm absolutely exhausted, and I managed to do half. So I managed to do 25 kilometers after almost... 25 you know, kilometers after 48 days of fasting is quite yeah. significant. And uh, that, that could be perceived as a setback or... No, it's a, ma- a mega win for sure. Yeah, the, that's the thing. The, the funny thing is that some people will say, oh, you tried to do an ultra marathon after almost seven weeks without any food and you fail. It's like, I didn't yeah. fail. I managed to cover <laughs> 25 kilometers after seven weeks. Without that's, such a, that's such a wrong and grumpy view of life when you're reading. But it's like, it's like, yeah, you should have done a, a, an ultra marathon. Hold on, hold on. 24 kilometers after 48 days of fasting. Yeah, so, but you, and, you and, now, and now Mont Blanc, so, so I keep interrupting you. I want to know what you're planning to do. So you said you want to do the craziest things. One of them is Mont Blanc. Yeah, the, after one week. So the, this technical failure of only doing a half ultra marathon after seven weeks of any food, it was like, okay, I could not achieve that. Got dark, got dangerous. I was absolutely exhausted, but I still have enough energy to drive two hours back home. So mm-hmm. the, the hydrogen tank was still burning fuel for me. I just do not have the skeletal muscle to support that level mm-hmm. of uh, tension uh, in my body. And then I was like, okay, if I couldn't do that before ending the fast, and I did a blood test right before ending, right after ending, both of them came completely normal. My cholesterol figures look absolutely phenomenal. Like, you no, know, twice the HDL, the good cholesterol that I'm supposed to have, half of the triglycerides, that's uh, you know, uh, kind of the benchmark uh, for be careful. And I... Uh, figure out that there is this uh, very well-marked path in Switzerland called uh, the Swiss Path. It's 35 kilometers, 22 miles, but it's very steep. It's equivalent of going up and down the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world, twice, right? So 1,400 meters. And usually people do that over three days if you're really uh, feeling fit to do it in two days, and I did it in one day. So that was the caloric equivalent of an ultramarathon. And is also a very beautiful day, like an amazing nature on this lake is where uh, the Swiss Confederation was created, where they agreed to defend each other against uh, the Habsburgs uh, from Austria. And that was fantastic. So that was exactly one week after I finished the 50-day fast. And after the, uh, the second week, I wanted to do something also quite special. And uh, that ended up being... Uh, the um, uh, climbing of the summit of um, almost 14ers, like a mountain in Switzerland that is um, uh, 13,700 feet, so 4,164 uh, meters high, that requires uh, crampons and uh, you know, being roped uh, to the guide and to the others and everything else. And um, so the, uh, the final challenge uh, after a month, so um, every week was doing something is like, okay, I'm trying to show that you can do things that you go like, you haven't eaten for 50 days and you did what? And the Mont Blanc for me is the pinnacle, right? So I am attempting the ascent um, alone to make things more interesting, but also more flexible. Then again, you know, I, I've done rock climbing for 10 years and I did my research and I have lots of you know, recent information. Day is going to be beautiful and I have uh, Tuesday as a backup. So I'll be going up on uh, Sunday and Monday. If um, I have any issues, I can uh, try uh, the summit again on Tuesday. And that is going to be kind of the um, bookend of this year-long story plus a month. As in pretty much saying, uh, within a year, I went from technically obese to 
really the weight that everybody says you should have. And I'll keep on you know, gaining muscle. So I managed to more than double the weight and the number of repetitions I can do in certain exercises. I mean, the bicep scroll is the one that uses the reference. So I'm now at 2.5 times the number of repetitions that I could do uh, after one week uh, of ending the fast. Now, I'm, I'm two and a half weeks later, I have two and a half uh, times the ability in terms of strength and stamina. And uh, I've been practicing a lot. So tomorrow I'm going on this grueling military-style 14-hour hike. Uh, my challenge for a week three a few days ago was uh, to do this uh, extremely beautiful hike uh, from a place called Muren to Schothorn, where the James Bond movie uh, was filmed in the <laughs> late 60s. And that's, again, 10 hours going up Burj Khalifa twice in a day. Right, so every week I'm doing something that I go like, wow, this would be hard even for someone who's super fit and you're coming out of a, a very deep fast and you lost a lot of muscle. So I'm basically putting the cards on the table saying, yeah, I, uh, I'm not very good at giving up. That's what I, I usually tell people. <laughs> right? Yeah. So but once I have an idea in mind, I find the energy insights to accomplish the goal. And again, it's easier when you do something binary. You have to get to the summit. Once you got to the summit, you've only done half of the journey. You have to go back. And <laughs> Good the idea. car is not operating <laughs> anymore. Right? Yeah. So the, the whole point of uh, trying to do the Mont Blanc summit is uh, to show that in terms of the context of, oh, if you fast for too long, you're going to lose muscle. My answer is, so what? Like a month later, I can do the summit of Mont Blanc. I don't even have to get to the summit of Mont Blanc to oh, prove the point, at least to myself or to anyone who wants to believe. I've done three of those challenges in the last three weeks. Then you go like, really? Is that possible? And the funny thing is that you know, the friends of mine who went to the Rangers training school and Navy SEALs, I don't know anyone for Delta Force, I'm quite sure it's the same, or other special forces out there. They probably find my experience quaint and cute. People are like, yeah, no, hell week is 10 times worse than this. But for a civilian who was technically obese, to be able to get to the perfect weight and the athletic body fat levels and to be able to do all of those really, really challenging set of exercises is far more relatable to other people who are also borderline obese. As in, if you have a dad bod and someone says, oh, my friend from Delta Force can do... No, 10 times more than whatever you can do in terms of push-ups and pull-ups. It's one like, yeah, he's Delta Force. He's not mm -hmm. my peer. And mm -hmm. I'm pretty much indicating to people, it's like, look, I was that guy that used to be a rock climber, was quite fit, and then I let it all go. And at some point in time, and I'm fortunate in the sense that I've been tracking my weight and body composition for 10 years because I got the very first model that came out in the market in 2011 doing this uh, at home. And so I could just see that curve going up. I'm like, man, you know, I, I have an engineering background. So when I see a trend line, you have to <laughs> can interface, yeah. make a very radical change. Again, you have to go binary. And fasting is as binary as it gets. Like you go from more than one calorie to zero calories. That's, look, will of steel. But I have to say that the two biggest learnings I, I got from this conversation uh, are not about fasting. They're more about the idea that I can actually do what any one of my peers can do, right? So if, if, if you now said I can do this, 
I have to say, when we hang up, I'm going to look at myself and go like, what's, what are you going to do, Mo? Right? It's interesting here because I think that kind of challenge when I don't compare to the a, ma- a marathon runner or a you know like a, a, um, a an Olympic champion or you know a Navy SEAL or whatever that is, I'm comparing to you, right? A friend who just with the will is able to do things that I believe are superhuman. But what I like most actually about our conversation, you'll be surprised, is those symbolic memories that you created at the end of every one of them. This they really help. So. Beautiful. So what will be the memory at the end of Mont Blanc? Well, you take your pictures and everything else. And um, it's, um, again, a marker, right? So it's a waypoint. Mm. Mont Blanc as a symbol is like, wow, right before one month after ending this really long fast, I managed to get to the top of Western Europe. I mean, I guess that the next... Caucasus, they'll claim they have higher mountains like Mount mm-hmm. Elbrus, but uh, Mont Blanc is very symbolic. And Mont Blanc is for me just a memento that if I ever get off track again in the future, I'll go like, remember Mont Blanc, like you guys have remembered the Alamo. Right? <laughs> yeah. This, and in, in fact, Alamo was a defeat. Mont Blanc is kind of a win, but it, it is basically, you know, if I ever starts becoming less healthy and um, starts falling back into the lures of society with plenty of food and the breakfast buffets and everything else. I can always remember that and say, okay, what is my next crazy challenge? And you have, um, I think, as Chris Anderson from uh, the TED organization, mm-hmm. he has this uh, BHAG, was like a big, hairy, audacious goal. I don't know yeah. if he's the one who came up with the... Uh, it was good, good, to, good to Great was the first book that spoke about that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, Jim Collins. I, I, yeah. I do have the book, but I haven't read it. Here's a companion for nonprofits. That, uh, yeah. just it's a help. great book. It's definitely yeah. a must read. I got yeah. your book, so I have it here with me. Right? So, oh, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> so basically... The, the next time I feel that I'm getting off track, I already have a couple of crazy challenges uh, ready to go. Like the uh, Mont Blanc is extremely exhausting. You, you're climbing in high altitude for 15, 16 hours. It, it's really not for beginners, but technically it's not very challenging. There are two spots where you could have a stone hitting your head. Uh, there's another spot where there's a pretty steep you know, cliff and they could end up uh, all the way at the bottom of the valley if you're not careful. But, you know, the challenge is the grit. Like, there is a summit of Mont Blanc there, and you are going to make it. And you mm. are going to understand that uh, there is a limit to your capacity. So one expression that I really appreciate these days is like knowing when to grit and when to quit. Mm. And if you're in a situation where you've been doing those challenges for a while and they always get harder and harder, and you're uncomfortable, like your gut instinct says, now, this is mean, I'm not even to the summit, which is half the way. Okay, the way down is a lot faster and easier, but your knees are going to hate it forever. Hmm. But have I reached my point of stop the grit, try it another day? And uh, you need to have this kind of moral responsibility to yourself. Now, you just try again. I have a fallback day. It's going to be sunny on Tuesday as well. I can just stay... Um, in the hut um, and then oh, they do have availability and then I try and eventually I, I get to my objective which is why I'm doing this alone 
because I don't want to drag other people and I'm doing this as part of a personal study. And uh, after 10 years of rock climbing, I'm comfortable doing that. And I'm also comfortable that I'm going to recognize the wrong level of danger, right? And if it's, it gets a point where it's like, this is not going to happen right now, I can always try to do it later. Mont Blanc is not going that. anywhere. No, it, uh, it, it has a permanent address in that location and it's going to stay there for... <laughs> exactly. Now, an even greater challenge would be to climb the Matterhorn, you know, the Toblerone Mountain. A Matterhorn is incredibly technical. Right? And I have a, a grade seven out of nine experience in rock climbing, but never at that height with the snow, with the crampons. So it is very important and powerful to establish your next big, hairy, audacious goal. And mm. the printout of the Mont Blanc route that I'm doing this weekend has been on my kitchen for mm. four years. I love I that. I had that thing hanging there for four years saying, I am borderline obese, my lifestyle is terrible, but Mont Blanc is back on. I don't know how yeah, and when. Here I come. But at some stage in my life, I want to make sure that this happens. And now it looks eminently feasible. It was in literally, oh, I, I've done a 10-hour hike less than a week ago. Mont Blanc is 15 in a day. Think, mm, 50%. I did have 50% more in the gas tank. Uh, <laughs> last time. Uh, of course, oh, um, the climb that I did last weekend, it was steeper, but a lower altitude. So you have to be humble. Right? You have to acknowledge the fact that I've never been climbing at what? It's like 15,700 feet. So I don't know. But I'm yeah. curious. And I'm so I, 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 like, I really like the idea of even though motivated and looking forward to it, you have been for four, you know, four years, you're also reasonable in terms of I have buffer days, I can do it again, you know, it doesn't have to happen this time. I like the idea that when you try to, to run the ultra marathon on day 48, but couldn't do, you know, so, so in, 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 in business, I, I always learned that. And it was really one of my, my tricks to success in life is to set targets that are so audacious and so inspirational, but to also be realistic sometimes. If the, if the world is not helping today, that's fine. It's fine to miss that target and try again and try again, because as you rightly said, Mumbla will still be there. And, and I yeah. think that's the beauty of it. Probably we should, we should let you go to sleep, don't you think? You yeah, I have to wake up at five in the morning tomorrow. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't want to be the one that takes away your energy for tomorrow. Good luck, Marcelo. Be, be, uh, send us a, a, a picture from the summit. And, uh, yeah, we'll do. and, uh, and you, you really inspired me. I mean, seriously, I, I, I haven't had my uh, physical form and body connection as part of my focus for a while. Uh, you know, I work out, but I don't really uh, push it to the limit. I think after today, uh, I might actually compete with you. I may beat you in a... <laughs> oh, please do. I'll, I'll be even happier than you if you manage to beat me because uh, you're only competing with yourself, right? And totally. the, um, it may not be uh, the best quote in the sense, but many cultures use this expression that when a candle shares a light with another candle, it doesn't burn any less bright, right? So mm -hmm. if I can share this light especially, and this is really important, so close with um, a strong point. I uh, have realized over the last year or so, studying 
fasting, deep fasted states and what happens while you do it and the risks and rewards. I have learned that 100 million people every year become diabetic, right? So mm. you, you have a very serious metabolic disease that would eventually turn you blind and cost a fortune uh, in this cartel of four companies in the US that produce insulin. And I haven't done too much research in some of the other countries, but I believe that in the, the poorest countries, I mean, if you're in Brazil or India, you can, as a government, just find your national champions and produce insulin at the lower price. And uh, maybe in Egypt, uh, they have done that. They do not have the information, just have the assumption because I know they've done that with other drugs that are very important. If you live in the poorest countries in the world, you, you don't have the benefit. You're importing that. And if you are in an island in the Pacific, just to use as an example, because many people just eat spam and stuff that comes from cans. Mm. They don't have a choice, right? They don't have the lifestyle they used to have. Diabetes is a very serious issue. And even have um, people in places like Japan or say, wow, they're so skinny. They're what's called toffee, right? Thin on mm -hmm. the outside and mm -hmm. fat on the inside. They do have mm -hmm. metabolic disease. And fasting can be extremely powerful in resolving those issues, just giving your body a break. My suggestion is a protocol, and it's not me, the doctors that are doing it you know, themselves. Fast for one week, build it, right? So you're not going to... No. What I jumped into a week-long fast because, again, I'm curious. and I was like, let me see how far I can go. Most people will not have that kind of flexibility, but you can fast with intermittent fasting. And then you do 36 hours, and then you do, do the weekend, and then you do three, four days. And eventually, you, you teach your body that it's okay not to have sugar because you have plenty of fat. And we do, right? Even after 50 days or 100 days, I still had 8% body fat. And it, yeah. for men, it only starts getting dangerous when you go below four and below two, you're really in deep trouble because then you're you know, out of the range of essential fats. But even fasting for a hundred days, I couldn't get even close to the danger zone in terms of low fat. Yeah. And I, I do believe that getting this candle, you know, my experiences, going out there and lighting out the candle saying, you are in a situation where you have the standard American diet, all the stuff that you get with you no know, vegetable oils and lots of sugar. I mean, I don't want to get into that because it's a deep rabbit hole. Even if you have the standard American diet, which is SAD as an acronym, you give your body a week every three months just to get rid of all that trash. It's far less likely that you're going to have all the severe punishments of a metabolic disease uh, like diabetes. Yeah. So if I can get this message out there and make it harder for the naysayers to say, oh, you're going to lose muscles. Like, yeah, I'm climbing Mont Blanc a month after ending a fast. So what? You're losing muscle, right? And uh, you're going to feel dizzy. like, mm, I'm doing marathons after two weeks. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much as a case study of one trying to show to people that, look, this is worth trying. And I'm just a normal dude. Right? I'm not an, an Olympic athlete. I'm not a rock star of sorts with a, a team of doctors and the hyperbaric chambers and ice baths. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I, I'm slipping in a tent. I'll send you the picture of my home for the next two nights. Like I, I'm roughing it and I'm loving it. Right? So if people can reach that level of compassion towards themselves with a, a sprinkle of curiosity and enough information to feel comfortable, I do believe that we'll have better humans and healthier ones that are not only going to live longer, but are going to have a longer health span or have much more 
pleasant and uh, fulfilling lives. And that's my and, message. And do, and do that by sticking to less, not more. And I exactly. think that... I love you, man. This is incredible. I really, really, really wish you all the luck. I want you to get to that summit so that we can prove to everyone that you can do it. Be careful, though. I, uh, Always. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and I am really grateful that you shared this with us. I think this will inspire a lot of people. It's a real pleasure. Usually what I tell people is that I'm not very good statistically yeah, uh, I think I'm not I think very good this, at dying, or uh, statistically yeah. speaking. And if I'm ever wrong, I don't care anymore. So I, I'm free to say that as much as I want. Because if I'm ever wrong one day, I won't be around to really be bothered. No, no, no. Be be around. Be good. Get it done. I think uh, we need you to get it done. Yes, excellent. Thank you so much for the invitation. Said, oh my God! Thank you, my my dear friend of a candle. Thank you so much. Take care. So all right. Bye. Sleep yeah. well. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, running, climbing, hiking, fasting. You know, it seems that while we were all so bogged down by COVID-19 and the lockdown, Marcelo went on to push himself to the limits of human endurance. You should know that uh, within the three days after we recorded this conversation, Marcelo actually did climb to the top of Mont Blanc and did it through the difficult path. Just one more attempt to prove that we can actually achieve when we put our mind to it. And I think that begs the question, what am I going to challenge myself to do today? Find me on social media and let's continue the conversation. I'm mo underscore gaudet on Instagram, mo.gaudet.official on Facebook, mo.gaudet on LinkedIn, and mgaudet on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in today. I love you all for listening and I'll see you next time.